It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We've come a long way from where we began. Oh, I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. When I see you again. Damn, who knew? All the planes we flew, good things we've been through. That I'll be standing right here talking to you about another path. I know we love to hit the road and laugh, but something told me that it wouldn't last. Had to switch up, look at things different, see the bigger picture. Those were the days, hard work forever pays. Now I see you in a better place. Uh, how can we not talk about family when family's all that we got? Everything I would do, you were standing there by my side. And now you gon' be with me for the last ride. It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We've come a long way from where we began. Oh, I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. When I see you again. You both go out your way and the vibe is feeling strong and we're small Turn to a friendship, a friendship turn to a bond And that bond will never be broken, the love will never get lost And when brotherhood come first, then the line will never be crossed Established it on our own when that line had to be drawn And that line is what we reach, so remember me when I'm gone can we not talk about family when family's all that we got? Everything I would do, you were standing there by my side. And now you're gonna be with me for the last one. Let the light guide you away. Yeah. Hold every memory as you go. And every road you take will always lead you. It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We've come a long way from where we began. Oh, I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. When I see you
were laughing in my classes while I was scheming for the masses. Who do you think you are? Dreaming about being a big star. They say you're basic, they say you're easy. You're always riding in the backseat. Now I'm smiling from the stage while you were clapping in the nosebleeds. around the world logged on to the quality music zone qmzradio.com and everyone logged on to johnoradio.com of course i have to say good morning to my studio audience courtesy of clubhouse it's tuesday september 20 turned up tuesday so today we're playing yesterday's favorites and today's hits Thank you so much for joining me for Coffee and Toe World News on the Go every Monday through Friday starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. This is where I read the news and we share our views. You can find me on Twitter at me media moments on Instagram, moments underscore with underscore me underscore media. And on TikTok, moments with me media. And the me in everything is MI. And here are the headlines we have for you today in international news. Biden says U.S. forces would defend Taiwan from Chinese invasion. 
United Nations General Assembly. Who is attending and what's on the agenda? British Prime Minister promises at least $2.63 billion for Ukraine war in 2023. Turkey's Erdogan says Russia's Putin is willing to end the war. And Equatorial Guinea abolishes the death penalty. In stories out of North America, Mayor Eric Adams considering using cruise ships to house migrants. Texas Sheriff investigating flights to Martha's Vineyard. Massachusetts Representative condemns Florida Governor DeSantis's move to transport migrants to Martha's Vineyard. And Republicans signal early support for $12 billion in Ukraine aid while other Biden priorities are expected to drop from the funding bill. In business and tech news, seven black fashion designers that deserve a round of applause after Fashion Week. In sports news, Tom Brady throws tablet to ground involved in scuffle in nervy Bucks win. Buffalo Bills dominate the Tennessee Titans 41-7, but cornerback Dane Jackson is hospitalized after scary-looking injury. DC United forward Taxi Fuentes denies using racist slur towards Inter Miami's Damian Lowe as MLS investigates incident. In the Caribbean corner, Fiona barrels towards Turks and Caicos as a Category 3 hurricane. Out of Jamaica, Tufton supports nurses having flexible contracts and writing prescriptions. Jamaican among five arrested in massive Nigerian cocaine bust and Golding pledges to weed out inequities in the local ganja industry. Christopher Tufton headed for the U.S. to sign MOUs to recruit nurses for Jamaica. Jamaica, the Bahamas and Antigua prime ministers hold audience with King Charles III. Out of Latin America, Fiona dumps more rain on Puerto Rico and troops rescue hundreds. Hurricane Fiona slams the DR as Puerto Rico is reeling and strong earthquake shakes Mexico's Pacific coast. One person reported being killed. In Believe It or Not stories, TikTok user dresses in blackface to mock the Little Mermaid reactions. Woman charged after a video shows a Brooklyn pastor manhandling her. And doctors in Ireland remove 55 AA and AAA batteries from a woman's stomach. The Gambia Tourism Board is tired of middle-aged UK women visiting for sexual pleasures from African toy boys. All right, then. The Phantom of the Opera Broadway show is ending after 35 years. Hold on. That Gambia Tourism Board, they better um see how they can capitalize on that. <laughs> I'm not. Let me know. Let me bathe myself. It's too early for me to start. <laughs> but um, here's some more music. And when we return, it is the details. Keep it locked. Sometimes trying to get connected, no Wi-Fi. Tell me that you love me, are you lying? Give me lemonade, I give you limes. House in the hills is a house of cards. Blink and the fairy tale falls apart. 
so dark Maybe I'm an alien, earth is hard Sometimes I don't trust the way I feel On my Instagram talking about I'm healed Worrying if I still got sex appeal Hoping that I don't drive off this hill When we're making love, I wanna be there Then I wanna feel you pulling my hair And believe the words you say in my ear Gotta go outside, I need some air I want to, want to, want to touch you Want to touch you but my fingertips are numb I want to, want to, want to love you Want to love you but my chest is tightening up I want to, want to, want to feel like I can chill I'd have to leave this restaurant Wish I could be Thank you to all the listeners logged on to QMZRadio.com, JohnNoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me, and you're listening to Caffeine Toe 
World News on the Go every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern. This is where I read the news and we share our views. Coming up later on this evening, 7 p.m. Eastern, right here on QMZRadio.com, JohnnoRadio.com, also on ViscosityBlend.com, FutureFM.net, FutureFM 98.9 in the Bronx, Mount Vernon, and Westchester. It is The Rose Solo Show. You gotta check it out. Still hating on Rose Solo, but I still love her. But it is what it is. And she knows why. And let us go ahead and get started with the international news. First up, Biden says U.S. forces would defend Taiwan from Chinese invasion. U.S. President Joe Biden said U.S. forces would defend Taiwan from a Chinese invasion, the strongest indication yet of a shift away from Washington's decades-long policy of strategic ambiguity towards the Democratic island. Story courtesy of Al Jazeera News. Asked in a television interview whether the American military would defend the self-governed island of China, well, island if China invaded, Biden said it would be there. Yes, they will be there if there was an unprecedented attack. Pressed to clarify further, Biden confirmed U.S. personnel would come to the defense of Taiwan, unlike Ukraine, which Washington has given material support and military. And of course, we know they've got a lot of military equipment without committing the American troops, right? Biden's comments are his latest to cast doubt on long-standing U.S. policy towards Taiwan enshrined in the 1979 Taiwan Relations Act, which commits Washington to help Taipei defend itself, but stops short of promising to provide troops or directly participate in any conflict. During a trip to Japan in May, Biden appeared to confirm that he would use force to defend Taiwan if it was attacked by China, describing the defense of the island as a commitment we made. China claims Taiwan as a province that must be reunified with the mainland by force if necessary and has accused the U.S. of disrupting regional stability and encouraging Taiwanese separatism. Beijing denounced Biden's latest comments. Ah, boy, may I tell you, the U.S. <laughs> I'm mean, gonna know what to say this morning. I don't know. I'm spent. I'm literally spent as it relates to us and our involvement consistently in different strategic geopo- geopolitical wars, right? But. I guess they can't go back on a contract that was signed since, in what, 1979? They got to honor it? When do we, um, when can we back out? We can't? Okay. Do apologize if you hear any static this morning. Not sure why. Yeah. So that's where we are. So Biden is planning to back. Taiwan. 
<laughs> Next story, United Nations General Assembly, who is attending and what's on the agenda? Story courtesy of Al Jazeera News. World leaders will gather this week in New York to address the 77th session of the United Nations General Assembly. The war in Ukraine, climate change, and nuclear disarmament are likely to dominate speeches and discussions during the annual gathering that starts Tuesday, today, at the UN headquarters. The theme for this year's UNGA is a watershed moment, transformative solutions to interlocking challenges. According to the UN, it stems from the recognition that the world is at a critical moment due to complex and interconnected crises. United Nations General Secretary Antonio Gutierrez said the gathering was happening at a time of great peril, with the world blighted by war, battered by climate chaos, scarred by hate, and shamed by poverty, hunger, and inequality. Speakers on Tuesday will include Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro, United States President Joe Biden, and Qatar's Emir Sheikh Tamim bin Hamad Al Thani. Here's what you need to know. Who will be attending? Every UN member is invited to send a delegation to the UNGA, the most representative body of the UN system. Each member state is allowed an equal vote when, des when deciding on resolutions. This year's session will take place in person for the first time since COVID-19 was declared a pandemic in March 2020. For the past two years, Heads of state were allowed to submit video statements due to pandemic restrictions. The list of speakers includes some notable absentees, with Russian President Vladimir Putin and Chinese President Jinping among those who will send their foreign ministers to the UNGA. Where is it held? The first six sessions of the UNGA were held in different cities, starting with London, New York, and then Paris. Since 1952, nearly all sessions have taken place at the UN headquarters in the U.S. city of New York. So, what will the focus be this year? Russia's invasion of Ukraine is expected to be a major focus at the annual gathering, including the global food crisis that has been aggravated as a result. Hmm. Something is missing from the agenda. The focus, if you ask me. Something huge is missing. Well, huge to me, probably not to them. Probably it's of no significance to them. But something huge is missing. A couple of things are missing, actually. The crisis in Haiti. What are we going to do about that? What are we going to do about the mass migration that's taking place throughout South and Central America? Haiti and Cuba. I don't see that on the agenda. Let us talk about the um, what's going on across the continent of Africa, the various wars. Hunger. I don't see that on the agenda. So Russia seems to be taking dominance along with climate change. And I'm not saying they're not important. But we also have other gravely important issues that need to be on the agenda. That's all I'm going to say. Let's see if they have it there but chose not to highlight it 
or the media decided not to highlight it. Let us see how it all plays out. British Prime Minister, oh, Teflon is on the phone because I'd love to hear his input from across the pond. British Prime Minister promises at least $2.63 million for the Ukraine war in 2023. So is it that they're not trying to end the war this year? <laughs> they're looking to drag it out? I'm over it. I'd like them to get over it because now Truce is promising at least $2.63 billion for the Ukraine war in 23, which sounds to me as though they're planning to have it dragged out. Well, let's see. British Prime Minister Liz Truce is expected to tell world leaders that the United Kingdom's support for the Ukraine war effort in 2023 will match or exceed the £2.3 billion that have been committed by London to Kiev's fight against Russia this year. The Financial Times reported on Tuesday that Truce will deliver the UK's hawkish message of continued and considerable military assistance to Kiev during a visit to the United States, where she is scheduled to address the United Nations General Assembly in New York City on Wednesday. The UK will continue to be right behind you every step of the way, Truce had promised to the people of Ukraine, and that was ahead of her arrival in the U.S. The British Premier, who also, well, was also expected to use her speech at the UNGA to press Western governments to increase their support for Ukraine amid advances by Ukrainian forces who are pressing a successful counter-offensive against Russian forces in the east of the country. London's commitment of $2.63 billion in 2022 to Kiev resulted in the UK becoming the second largest donor to Ukraine, Downing Street told the uh, FT. UK military aid has involved the provision of hundreds of rockets, 120 armored vehicles, five air defense systems, and some 27,000 Ukrainian troops have been trained by UK forces since 2015, according to the report. <sighs> so am I to assume then that they're planning to drag this out because as much as they're giving, there is more to be made by the few who are raking it in off of wars, right? You know, sometimes I sit down and I say, I wonder if I should invest in weapons and ammunition and war, because there seems to be a great investment. But with human conscience, I can't. Because I am, I would be contributing to wars. I would be contributing to murders. I don't know. I probably that's a skewed way to look at it. But that's just how I feel, that I cannot with good conscience invest in anything that has to do with weaponry i can't teflon how are you all feeling over there with um truce's commitment promising at least 2.63 billion dollars for the ukraine war in 2023 yeah so they're expecting the war to drag on how, how are the brits feeling about it i don't know oh i forgot you've been in mourning (laughs) yeah you know i'm like i'm very oblivious i I don't get involved in all that but um i agree with you when when you talked about investing in 
in weapons that I sh- we share the same sentiment because I was thinking of buying some Smith and Wesson shares. Um, it's a very good stock to get into, and um, I, I almost bought some last year because it was a, it was at a very good price. But then I was just thinking about like humanity, you know. I don't really want to be um, investing in that side, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> your your conscience plays on you, so yeah, I definitely agree with you. Yeah. My conscience. Some people would say, well, look at it as though you're investing in security. I get that argument too. But I would rather invest in steel, and here is why. Construction is always going to be going on, right? Yeah, construction of bridges. Yes. And especially when you think of war-torn areas, for example, Ukraine, they're going to rebuild. So steel is not a bad thing to invest in. Concrete. And then they use, they use it um, for weapons as well. <laughs> so, you're still, <laughs> so you're still investing you're in weapons. You're still investing in weapons. Oh, boy. You can't win, can you? But conscience has to be your guide, right? And I guess that's why I will not be wealthy. I will not be rich because there are certain things that just don't sit well with me right um yeah (laughs) ah boy so turkey's erdogan says russia's putin is willing to end war story courtesy of bbc.com turkish president recep tayyip erdogan has said he believes russia's leader is seeking an end to the war he began in ukraine and that a significant step will be made He said his impression from recent talks with Vladimir Putin was that he wanted to end this as soon as possible. Ukraine has recaptured swaths of its territory this month. The Turkish leader indicated things were quite problematic for Russia. Mr. Erdogan spoke of having very extensive discussions with Mr. Putin at a summit in Uzbekistan last week. In an interview with U.S. broadcaster PBS, the Turkish leader said, He gained the impression that the Russian president wanted a speedy end to the war. He is actually showing me that he's willing to end this as soon as possible. Well, that was my impression because the way things are going right now are quite problematic for him. He also said 200 hostages would soon be exchanged between the two sides. He gave no further detail of who would be included in such a prisoner swap. Mr. Erdogan has repeatedly sought to mediate during the war, promoting a balanced stance for NATO member Turkey while opposing Western sanctions on Russia. He helped the UN mediate a resumption of grain exports from Ukraine and said last week he was trying to organize direct ceasefire talks. Meanwhile, two months after Russian forces ceased control over the entire eastern region of Luhansk, Ukraine, has reclaimed part of that territory. Luhansk's Ukrainian leader, Serhii Hardai, said Russian forces had retreated from one of the villages, but were doing all they could to dig in elsewhere. President Volodymyr Zelensky said the occupiers are clearly in a panic. I'm hoping for a swift end. I'm hoping that it will end before the year is out so Britain will not have to shell out that $2.63 billion that Lizzie has um, committed, promised. Yeah, I hope. Equatorial Guinea abolishes the death penalty. 
Equatorial Guinea has. And if you're wondering where that is concerned, Equatorial Guinea is right between Cameroon and Gabon on the west coast of Africa. Right? Sitting on the equator. Hence, Equatorial Guinea. So, Equatorial Guinea has abolished the death penalty after the country's president, Teodoro Obiang, and I cannot pronounce the rest of his name, signed a new penal code into law. Obiang's son, the vice president, announced the move on social media on Monday. I am writing in capitals to seal this unique moment. Equatorial Guinea has abolished the death penalty. A journalist on state television called the event historic for a country in a brief announcement at the end of a news program. The measure will come into force in the 90 days following, it, following its publication in the official state journal and was approved in advance by Parliament, where all but one of the 100 legislators represent the ruling party. The last official execution in the West African country was carried out in 2014, according to Amnesty International. But international non-governmental organizations, NGOs, and the United Nations regularly accuse the regime of forced disappearances, arbitrary detention, and torture. How do we feel about that? I have mixed feelings about the death penalty, and, and here it is. When you hear of certain atrocities, certain horrific crimes, how people are murdered, how they're decapitated, and all of that, really gruesome, the first thing that comes to your mind is they need to catch them and just kill them, right? I think it's human response, immediate response. But what if the person you're catching, which has happened in the past, is the wrong person? And you go and kill the wrong person. And that's where the issue comes in for me. Um, so maybe maybe they need to just like make sure that um, they've got a fair judgment. Um, just make sure that everything tallies, tallies up first before... They do stuff like that. Cause I think most of the times when they wrongly convict people, I think um, behind the scenes they know they know that they know something's wrong, but they just can't be bothered. That's why when people, um, I might be wrong, but I think like most of the times when they try to appeal, um, although they know that there might be chance of um, um, the case being wrong or they're wrong, they just can't be bothered. But it's all money and time and stuff like that. So I think um, in that sense, I think they probably need to make sure that everything's in place. Um, they've got um, very fine evidence and stuff like that. Make sure that everything proper ties up before they they um, do what they, whatever they have to do. <laughs> in the perfect world, right? Um, Teflon, in the perfect world. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, we don't live in a perfect world. Unfortunately. So, considering that the world is not perfect and there's a lot of corruption in the legal system, is it fair for me then to say um, dismissing and abolishing the death penalty is the best course of action? Because is it really effective? 
I do believe is the best course of action just because of, uh, you know, the corruption and all the prejudice and stuff like that. It's the best thing just to do away with it because they're not going to 100% get it correct all the time. Mm-hmm. And for that, I'm against the death penalty. Okay, fair, fair enough. I do believe, I do believe a certain crime have to... And you just and you know that the person did it, and you want them to get the death penalty, but just because of just because of humans, it's like nah, we should do away with that. It's not gonna be fair across the board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to agree with that. Go right ahead. I know someone else has a comment. Go right ahead. Hey, Hi, moment. Fabian. Good morning. Hello, hello, fam. How is everybody? <laughs> We're well, Fabian. Thank you. Yes. Thank you always, Moments, for bringing all this great information from across the world. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I just wanted to ask, there's talk of, you know, hanging, uh, <clears throat> being returned to the Jamaica justice system. I just wanted to know if anybody had an opinion on that. I heard about it, and um, I thought about it, and it ties in with this situation, because Equatorial Guinea is um, abolishing the death penalty. I'm not sure if it was hanging that they used to do, but um, as a matter of fact, I think I can look that up. But, you know, my concern is, are we executing the right person? That, you know, and when you think about the corruption that can exist, what if someone is framed for a crime that they did not commit, but because someone has a vendetta or just wants to eliminate someone, they will go to great extent to have that person executed right falsely accused of a crime they go through the court and we know money exchange hands on the back end and that is the part that bothers me there and i I, i'm not sure if you heard me um fabian when i expressed that Yes, when you hear certain atrocities happening, the way certain crimes are carried out, the first thing that comes in your mind is, I hope they catch them and deal with them. And, you know, just them the need to be on the face of the earth. Let's get rid of them. But then I have to pump the brakes. And I'm like, what happens to the person who is actually innocent? What really happens there? So I'm, a, I'm torn between the two, Fabian. Not sure how anybody else feels about it in Jamaica. But I'm torn between the two. Yeah, that's a tough call uh, for for that for that reason. Moments, you know. I mean, I see both sides, but I'm I'm totally against it either way because uh, I don't think that one mistake is worth getting the others right, so to speak. Mhm, mhm. But, but that's just my opinion. Anybody else? I don't know. Anybody else wants to share their opinion on that before we move it along? I think the general consensus is it's 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 kind of tough. It is really kind of tough, you know. And you would want to know that the right thing is done. Were they right to take someone's life? No. But is it our right to take their life? Something we gotta think about. Yeah, this topic is very sensitive. I was in a room earlier, another newsroom. Really got really messy. Proper went left. I've never, <laughs> I've never, I've, I've never seen it. 
I've never seen it kick off in that room. It's such a peaceful room, but it just got really, really messy. So, yeah, it is a very touchy um, subject. Yeah, it is. It really is. I'm, I'm. So, this is this is why I like this room. Like, <laughs> although we 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 touch on um, very sensitive stuff, but everyone everyone's able to compose themselves and <laughs> have a decent conversation. <laughs> We tried. We tried, Teflon. We tried. I hope I didn't jinx it. No, 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 not at all. We try. We really try. Even you know, and we, yeah, we do get emotional, and we do get passionate, and we do express it, you know. But we really try. I want to say we try. I know I may get out of hand sometimes, but for the most part, I try. <laughs> yeah, it's it's something for us to think about. Um, we have to explore all the different angles we have to look at the possible repercussions um yeah the trickle down effect is important it's it's very easy as i said first to get up and say yes i agree but let us take a step back let us think if it was us being framed or family member or a family or a member friend. yeah yeah then we would think differently you know, and as I'm saying that, not to go off on a tangent, but I'm not sure if any of you saw um, Dwayne Wade's son, um, the one who identifies as a girl. So a picture was put up. And I'm not going to lie. Looks like a girl. Long hair, you know, I don't know if it looks, I don't know. So a lot of people were in the comments from the black community saying, yes, you're killing it, killing it. Looks good. Then, of course, you know, you had some people say, I hope when he or she starts dating your son, you don't feel no way about it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it went left real quick. But I'm saying that to tie to this. There are certain things we condone and we agree with until it hits our doorstep. Then we think differently. Then we're like, no, 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 it's okay for you, but not for me. So we're okay with the death penalty for others, but not for anyone within our family. Am I making sense? I hope I'm making sense. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we have details of the stories out of North America. Bunks with it, girl. Dance with it, girl. Get with it, girl. With a bang, bang. Come on, come on. Turn the radio on. It's Friday night. And I won't be long. Gotta do my hair. Do my makeup on. It's Friday night. And I won't be long. Hit the
Coming up, we're going to be having a discussion about more U.S. employers are trapping workers in a new form of indentured servitude. So keep it locked. Me and you, girl, you and me. Tap it to the floor and me, me see your energy because me not play no identity. What is it, the thing you ever make me feel with, girl? Free. Cause anytime you want not catch it, this elect a bullet up and put it for me. Thank you to all our listeners locked in on QMZRadio.com, the Quality Music Zone. For quality music while you work or play, QMZRadio.com will help you get through your day. Thank you to all the listeners who are listening on JanoRadio.com. Don't forget to download the Jano Radio app, J-A-H-K-N-O, available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Jano Radio, take us on the go. And of course, thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse, where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me, and you're listening to Coffee and Toe, World News on the Go, every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Coming up in details, out of North America, Mayor Eric Adams considering using cruise ships to house migrants, Texas Sheriff investigating flights to Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts Representative condemns Florida Governor DeSantis' move, and Republicans signal early support for $12 billion in Ukraine aid. We talk for hours and hours about the sweet and the sour and how your family's doing okay. And leaving, getting a taxi, kissing the backseat, tell the driver, make the radio play. And I'm singing like, girl, you know I want your love. Your love was handmade for somebody like me. Come on now, follow my lead. I may be crazy, don't mind me. Say, boy, let's not talk too much. Grab on my waist and put that body on me. Come on now, follow my lead. All right, and it's time for us to get into the details of the stories out of North America. So, Mayor Eric Adams considering using cruise ships to house migrants. Story courtesy of Bala Alert. As a result of the migrant crisis in New York City, Mayor Eric Adams is considering using cruise ships as temporary housing. We examined everything from the legality of using any type of cruise ship for temporary housing, Adams said on Sunday. We're looking at everything to see how do we deal with this. 
The suggestion was proposed after recent reports revealed that nine buses carrying 40 to 50 migrants each traveled to the city. Homeless advocates immediately pushed back, calling the suggestion alienating. However, on Monday, Adams defended the idea, saying, we're not going to leave any stone unturned, adding that the city was looking for creative ways to address the humanitarian crisis, New York Times reports. Despite the city opening 23 emergency shelters, there are still not enough beds to accommodate the influx of people. Full-time facilities are being pushed to their limits and affecting the quality of life in the neighborhood. Adams claims that cruise ships, which the Bloomberg government briefly considered as a substitute during its immigration spike, may help reduce the stress. In addition to the floating shelters, he criticized the federal policy of denying migrants work permits before entering the country. We're saying you could come here, but you are not allowed to work. It's unbelievable, Adams said. We need to look and see what we are facing when it comes to shortages. How do we go about allowing people to take care of themselves? If not, we, the government, must take care of them, and that just makes no sense. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand suggested on Friday that recent immigrants could be moved to upstate areas struggling with unemployment. This might result in significant federal funding for the cities. I'll say this. I agree with the fact that if you're allowing them to come here, allow them to be able to work. And with them working, aren't they going to then pay taxes legally? And with them paying taxes, isn't that a benefit to the U.S. government and the systems, the various systems that um, people feel will be stressed out? with us accommodating migrants. Let's look at it from that perspective. To me, it sounds like common business sense. I give you the work permit. You're able to pay taxes. You're also able to look after yourself and sustain yourself. I think it's a win-win. Rather than telling them you can come in, but you can't work. So how do we expect them to survive? How then do we expect them to survive? For them to become a burden to the families or friends who can possibly help them, but just help them minimally because they too are under the stress of their financial obligations. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for that. Allow them to work. That's why they're here. They want to work. They want better opportunity. I don't think, honestly, that they're all coming here to lay down arms and be dependent on everybody else. I really don't think so. I remember when I was living in Atlanta and um, I was working in real estate, new construction, and I watched them work. They're on site six o'clock in the morning. Of course, you know they take their siesta, two hours siesta. Don't play. They don't play about that. And they work until sundown. 
pumping out houses. I know I couldn't do that work. I know I couldn't. And I remember when I would do the showing of the homes that are being built. No A season yet. You just have the, the skeleton is there, right? And inside is hot. And I'm sweating. And I can't wait to get back to the construction trailer because it has AC in it. Can you imagine them being in it for 10, 12 hours a day? How many of us are willing to go out there and do it? How many of us are willing to go out into the fields and bend our backs? Not too far from where I live is Chrome Avenue. Goes down into the Redlands, which is farmland here in um, South Florida. And as you're driving along, you see them in the fields. Working, working hard, sun up to sundown. Are we going to go out there and do the work? so that we can feed our families. No. No. Absolutely no. But yeah, that's what I don't understand. I mean, there's you know, these people, they're so willing to do these jobs that the actual um, natives or citizens won't do. And they won't let them, they won't let them work. It doesn't make sense. It's the same, same thing over here. There's, there's all the little odd jobs, like called the, um, um, like the, the the bin collection, you know, you know, the, yeah. all those kind of jobs, like the cleaning jobs and stuff like that. Um, a lot of the British they don't want to do it because they they want to be working in the office or they want to be working in the supermarket, and then there's no, they haven't got no one to do these other odd jobs, and and then when when you have the people that are willing to do the job, they won't, they won't let them work and, and they won't let them into the country as well. So. Yeah, I just don't get it. I, I don't really get don't. it, Teflon. It blows my mind. You know, we're so focused on our degrees, right? So focused on having our degrees and the type of car we drive and the clothes we wear and yada, yada, yada. So if everybody has that mindset, who does the farming? Who does the cleaning? Who does the hard work? Y'all don't want to do it because y'all say you're overqualified. Oh, hell no. I did not go to college to turn around and do this. Yeah, because like, um, I like to keep an open mind. Because when you started talking about, about this um, topic, I was thinking about, I was thinking about what if, what if um, they keep letting loads of immigrants in and they give every single one jobs. I was thinking like, what if they do actually take all the jobs and then, the actual the actual natives don't get the jobs but then as i said they they don't want to do the job so if they don't want to do the job and the vacancy are there just let the people that want to do it let them work in it exactly. let them work and, I, and then as you said they will pay tax they'll contribute to the to the system so it's a win-win it's a win-win it's a win-win teflon but who are we we don't have the qualifications right to make the recommendations <laughs> They are so focused on one thing and one thing only, pushing propaganda, promoting fair. That's all they're doing. Oh, they're coming here to steal your jobs. What jobs are they stealing from you? Tell me what jobs they're stealing. Cleaning your toilet? Um, 
you're in the matrix, Teflon. Go back to where you were. You're in the matrix now. Okay, Teflon, you're definitely in the matrix. They got you. <laughs> Can I tap in? A yes, Coco. Good morning. Te uh, Teflon, I'm going to um, let Coco go ahead because you are stuck in the matrix right now. Go ahead, Coco. So, you know, with that being said, people are here. He can go ahead. If okay, you. Teflon. I, I don't think he's hearing us, Coco. Teflon, you're stuck in the matrix. Let me type in the um, chat. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely not hearing him. I don't think he's hearing us. Um, Let me see. Teflon, you're in the matrix. Hopefully he sees the message. He, are you hearing us, Teflon? Check, check. Okay, he muted up. Go ahead, Coco. Go ahead, Coco. Thank you for your patience. Yeah. So you know, with that said, I, I, I'm an immigrant, and when I came here in the late '60s, my mother and her friends were nurses, and people used to complain they were RNs that they were taking jobs from them. But that's not the case. When we come to this country, our mindset is totally different. We are here to work. We're here to take care of our families. We're here to build a legacy and a better life. So if you're in this country already and you don't want to work, that's not my problem. That's your problem. Mm -hmm. And then when we get into schools now and I'm talking proper, why do you talk like that? You're an Oreo. You're this. You're that. <laughs> you know, this is how I was raised. I was raised to speak English and proper English and nothing less than that. So you have you have all these things going against you. But, you know, listen, you have opportunity. Take advantage of that opportunity because when we come here we're taking advantage of every opportunity then the other thing is that you're here for years let's say you lose your job there are people here that have been on welfare and all sorts of government assistance you lose your job and you try to apply for it you can't get it and mm -hmm. you don't have a job and you have a child to feed i remember i lost a job years ago and i had a car a honda civic and they said to me you got to sell your car i said in order to get benefits, you want me to sell a $3,000 car? I left the office crying and humiliated, yet there are people that are here for years that are just like busting through the system, lying, cheating, and getting all sorts of funds, and we can't get anything. So this, to me, is very troubling. I agree with you, Coco. Thank you so much. Teflon, are you able to speak now? Hopefully you're out of the matrix. Can you hear me? Yes, much better. No, I wasn't going to say, I was just going to say that they, they always use that term. Um, they're coming into our countries, they're taking our jobs, and they're taking our women. <laughs> they always use the same lines. That's all. All right. Thank you so much, Coco. Thank you, Teflon. So from the chat, Dre says, the way they're going about this is not good. It's like an open border, and that is not good. What I see is no control and confusion coming because both parties cannot come up with a proper immigration deal. All right. So let's talk a little bit about that. In our humble opinion, remember, we're not qualified people, right? We don't work in politics. We're just giving our personal views right what would we look at as possible 
deals, how could they better handle the immigration situation, both parties working together instead of fighting against each other? What recommendations could we give to them? Any? Anyone? First. Okay, go ahead, Dre. Y'all not going to like this, but you have to secure the border first. Have enough immigration agent at the border. Set up more infrastructure in those countries so they can apply for the work permit, apply for the visa, and go about it that way. But the whole rush and everybody coming from all over at the border and they don't have enough immigration officers and now they're just letting in everybody they can't work then you're going to give them work permit how long the work permit going to last for what happened when the work permit up is is i just see confusion so it need to be more secure border more immigration officers at the border take the strain off the border and um set up more infrastructure within those countries where you don't have them just rushing at you where you can't handle them because at this point we can't handle all of this what's going on and process them there in their country then they jump on a plane and them come who come come who can come can come that's that's just one way Mm -hmm. and then there's many other ways like i feel like um what you call those kids the DACA kids some Daca, of them still yeah. haven't. I, I, I think we have to deal with the DACA situation fully first. The, the, the 11 million people, give them um, a, a part to citizenship first before dealing with this, all this craziness that's going on now. I mean, those people need help too. But there's so many people that's been here for like 20 plus years that still, still haven't gotten the help that they needed. So this, this is going to add more chaos okay. in the future. And that's because no one can come up with a deal like, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, you know, just like, we're going to do this at the border, we're going to do this for the people them here, we're going to put some money over there so those people just can stay there and we deal with it that way. But uh, I just see confusion coming, just confusion. All right, thank you, Dre. Anyone else wants to go? Um, Recommendations? Go right ahead, Coco. You know, the other thing is we can come up with a plan, but minimum wage is minimum wage. And if in New York it's set at $15 an hour, people can't find anywhere to live. You can barely eat on $15 an hour. So that's another thing that's going to be need to address, be needed to address at some point because people can't survive. Mm-hmm. And those that are not getting $15 an hour, they might get $8 an hour. How are they to take care of themselves and their families? So we need livable wages where people are able to maintain some sense of pride, right? Okay, so remember, back, was it in May? They had Summit of the Americas. And which three countries were locked out? Nicaragua, Venezuela, and Cuba. Remember? Where are most of the migrants coming from Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua. Why are they leaving their countries? Economic oppression, violence, 
torturous situations. They have risked their lives. You remember me saying in here, whilst we're complaining about the situation at the border, the U.S. had the perfect opportunity to sit at the table with these three countries, but they chose to exclude them because they don't agree with their humanitarian um, stances. They had the opportunity, and that, that right there, Dre, I think is the only way you're going to be able to address the situation in those countries to minimize the departure from those countries. But at the same time, we have to understand why people are leaving. Why people are leaving Haiti and go, ending up in uh, Venezuela or Colombia and taking the trek through the Darien Gap. Taking that trek through Central America. Right? So, I think the U.S. missed the opportunity. I think the Republican, um, not the Republican, I'm sorry, the Democratic administration missed the opportunity to fix the issue. I know Kamala Harris went to, was it Nicaragua or Guatemala? Whichever, I think it was Nicaragua. But I think there was a missed opportunity because you have the, the Americas. These three countries are part of the Americas, but you excluded them. You had the opportunity to sit at the table with them and have other leaders sit there and everybody brainstorm which makes you wonder do they really want to fix the issue in these countries because they are a part of latin america they don't really care but european countries they're more inclined to jump up and rescue and resolve and help out and fly out and put up and support and it's not a problem so we look at those who are at the border as a burden but we don't look at people from europe as a burden and i think we have missed out there that's my humble opinion i don't know how are you going to fix the issue in those countries where you're having the mass migration from unless you're prepared to talk to their leaders you don't have to like them you don't have to agree with them but be civil about it. You're complaining about what's going on at your borders, but you don't really want to do anything about it. You see that your staff, they're stressed out, overworked, can't process quick enough. And yes, Dre, I agree with you that the perfect resolution would be to set up something in each of those countries for processing. But then while they're being processed, how do we see to it that they're protected, that they're not being raped and murdered and pillaged? How do we protect them in that regard while they're waiting for processing? Which then means then we have to look at the processing time turnaround. How long does it take from application to acceptance? How long does it take? Can we review the system and speed it up? Hire more people. I agree with you, Dre. We need to hire more people. But I think 
this administration dropped the ball. They had the opportunity to do something like that. Secure the borders. I don't know how you're going to do that. They have increased the number of personnel at the borders who are um, patrolling. How do we secure the borders? Properly secure the borders. How? I don't know. A lot of work to be done, but that's my humble opinion. <laughs> Just my humble opinion. We have work to do. You know? And it starts with communication. Starts with willingness to listen effectively listen we're pumping out billions right now you have um the republicans committing to 12 billion dollars more for ukraine that's their commitment because they're planning to get in office that's their commitment 12 billion dollars more to ukraine couldn't we use that 12 billion dollars to try to fix the issues as it relates to migration in nicaragua uh, what you call it, Cuba and Haiti and Venezuela? Couldn't we do that? For, but it's not worth it. Because there's no money to be made. You make more <laughs> off of war than you do off of humanitarian efforts. And I think that's the problem. But I'm talking too much. Talking way too much. <laughs> Just airing my thoughts. Can it be fixed? Yeah. Is it going to be easy? No. I don't think it's going to be easy. But it, it can be done. But there has to be a willingness. Certain le level of diplomacy and dedication commitment and putting others ahead of ourselves for a change you know i've said this before there are many people who made it to this country and all of a sudden they forgot about their struggles to get here they forgot you know as it relates to the cruise ships, is that a good idea? How do we feel about that? Using the cruise ships as um, a temporary housing situation to house the migrants. How do we feel about that? Because the cities are bursting at their seams. Is that doable? I don't know how to feel about it. I really don't. I don't. But something needs to be done. We head over to Texas. Texas sheriff investigating flights to Martha's Vineyard. Story courtesy of the Associated Press. A Texas sheriff on Monday opened an investigation into two flights of migrants sent to Martha's Vineyard by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, but did not say what laws may have been broken in putting 48 Venezuelans on private planes last week from San Antonio. Bexar County Sheriff Javier Salazar, an elected Democrat, railed against the flights that took off in his city as political posturing. 
But he said investigators had so far only spoken to attorneys representing some of the migrants and did not name any potential suspects who might face charges. He also did not mention DeSantis in a news conference that appeared to mark the first time a law enforcement official has said they would look into the flights. I believe there is some criminal activity involved here, Salazar said. But at present, we're trying to keep an open mind and we are going to investigate to find out what exact laws were broken if that does turn out to be the case. DeSantis's office responded with a statement that said the migrants have been given more options to succeed in Massachusetts. Immigrants have been more than willing to leave Bexar County after being abandoned, homeless, and left to fend for themselves, DeSantis spokesperson Taryn Fenske said. Florida gave them an opportunity to seek greener pastures in a sanctuary jurisdiction that offered greater resources for them as we expected. The Venezuelan migrants who were flown to the wealthy Massachusetts island from San Antonio on Wednesday said they were told they were going to Boston. Julio Henriquez, an attorney who met with several migrants, said they had no idea of where they were going or where they were. Good morning. Good morning, Javet. Straight frackinackle. <laughs> Straight frackinackle. <sighs> if you have your president of Florida or whatever we be calling him on this app, claim that he picked people up and flew them, what do you need an investigation for? He's already admitted to what he did. So is there somebody else we're supposed to arrest besides him? <laughs> they want to know if it was legal. That, that, that's pretty much. Did he break any laws? That's Y'all just wasting find. my money right now. You just, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming a Karen. Y'all <laughs> just wasting my money right now. I'm, I'm gonna yield my mic. So here's what they're saying, Javette. A federal investigation might be complicated. However. It's not clear whether anyone boarded buses or planes unwillingly or that their civil rights were violated. The rights of asylum seekers arriving in the U.S. are also more limited because they are not citizens. The Constitution, though, does protect them from discrimination based on race or national origin and from improper treatment by the government. I agree with Salazar that the migrants are being preyed upon and being hoodwinked. I do believe. And we said it before. that It's a part of a political ploy. They're just chips in this poker game. And anyone doing that ought to be ashamed of themselves for doing that to the migrants who have suffered enough already. Humiliated enough already. Them Venezuelans, they're going up in Miami. Don't, don't make us fool you. They're going to end up in Miami, and they're going to make it when they get here. You see? The problem is a lot of times we think that everybody that comes here is a migrant, as a migrant is dead broke. That's where we got it wrong. 
Some of them just had to get out of Venezuela. Money frozen. They can't touch it. But guess what? When they do, they're the ones buying the houses cash down here. We're wondering what the heck is going on with the housing crisis down here. They got their money. Not all of them are broke. Don't get it twisted. And a lot of the a lot of them are probably doctors, lawyers, educators. Yeah. They're not ignorant. No, they're not. They're not. No, they're at not. All. My OBGYN, she's from um Venezuela. When she got here, they did not recognize her um degree so she had to you know do all these certifications and everything to get it converted because if you haven't practiced um medicine here or you didn't go to school here you haven't done medicine crazy right yeah mm -hmm. they're gonna make it they're the ones pushing up the miami prices them the colombians the argentinians don't, don't be fooled Yeah. <laughs> so Massachusetts representative condemns the Florida governor for the move to transport the migrants to. Um, so DeSantis is under a lot of fire and rightly so. Story courtesy of WSVN out of Miami, a Massachusetts state representative is calling for accountability from Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Representative Dylan Fernandez made the request after DeSantis sent nearly 50 migrants to Martha's Vineyard. DeSantis used two planes to transport them. Fernandez took to social media and posted the following. We are requesting that the Department of Justice to open an investigation to hold DeSantis and others accountable for these inhumane acts. Not only is it morally criminal, there are legal implications around fraud, kidnapping, deprivation of liberty, and human trafficking. DeSantis joins two other governors, Texas Governor Greg Abbott and Arizona Governor Doug Ducey, who have all done the same thing. Within the past year, both have sent thousands of migrants to cities like Washington, D.C., New York, and Chicago. Now, are they going to be able to avoid any criminal charges as it, as it um, alludes to legal implications of fraud? kidnapping, deprivation of liberty, and human trafficking. I think so. And here is why I think so. That waiver that he had, they had these people sign, saying that they voluntarily are moving. They're going of their own free will. I think, but we haven't seen the form. We don't know what else is in it. We don't know if it was explained to the immigrants in depth, if they had a clear understanding of the document. We don't know. Because, you know, sometimes you know, people come to you, with, okay, this is what this is saying, blah, 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 blah. And they're just reeling it off to you and telling you what it is. And then you sign, trusting that what they're telling you is true. Well, let's see. Because it would be sad to see DeSantis and others who have, you know, along with the other governors be found guilty of fraud, kidnapping, deprivation of liberty, and human trafficking. That would be devastating. I hope you all knew what you were doing. I hope you all ain't sweating right now. 
Republicans signal early support for $12 billion in Ukraine aid, while other Biden priorities expected to drop from funding bills. Story courtesy of CNN. Republican senators signaled tentative support for additional Ukraine aid that the Biden administration has requested following a classified briefing on Monday night, though senators are expected to nix other top White House priorities from the upcoming stopgap bill to keep the government open. The Biden administration has asked for $12 billion in aid to Ukraine to be added to the continuing resolution that's needed to keep the government open past September 30. GOP support is essential because at least 10 Republican votes would be needed to break a filibuster attempt. Texas Republican Senator John Corrin said Monday evening that negotiators are still discussing the makeup of a package for Ukraine, but that it would be about $11 billion, which could include humanitarian, economic, and military assistance. So you see, Dre, they have it. They have it. They have it to go into these countries where the mass migration is taking place. They have it, but they choose not to. They rather pump it into war because that's where their greatest ROI is, return on investment. Nobody cares about human beings. They only care about dollars and cents and what is going to put more money in their pockets. That's it. We got the answer right here. So do we think that they're ever going to try to fix the issue at the border? Nah. Mm -mm. Do we think that they're going to take care of the DACA people right here in this country quickly? Nah. You here 20, 25 years and they haven't done anything? Oh, keep on waiting. We have more pressing issues. We need to make more money on top of the $12 billion and all the $50 billion plus that has already been funded to the Ukraine war in the form of humanitarian, economic, and military assistance. So you see where the priorities are. They don't give a damn. Neither side of the fence does, if you ask me. Because here it is, Biden is wanting to present that package and the Republicans are seeing how they can fix it up. And they're going to be happy to pass it. Who do you think invests in um, <laughs> the manufacturing of weapons mostly? The Republicans. ROI, folks. Migrants are not ROIs, but they're not thinking down the road economic gain through employment via taxes they don't see they're not paying attention to that little equation yeah 12 billion more of taxpayers money will be headed there all the negotiating no money in solutions you're absolutely right am absolutely right there is money in problems and creating problems 
never in the solution why do you think when you go to the doctor you never get a prescription that's going to make you well for you never to return you notice you have to keep renewing that prescription there's a reason for it because if you're not renewing the prescription the pharmaceutical industry can't get paid to provide the kickbacks to the doctors so that they're able to go on these lavish trips it's economics their way Think about it. It all boils down to dollars and cents. So those of us who have a conscience, those of us who are humanitarian driven, we will be silenced. We will be stifled. We will be suppressed. And they will, not, they will humor us. But are they actually going to follow through? No. Not unless what we're asking for has some economic gain. All right, going to take another quick music break. When we return, more U.S. employers are trapping workers in a new form of indentured servitude that comes under business and tech news. So keep it locked. Don't you dare go anywhere. But I'll find it somewhere, somehow. I've got to let them know how much I care. I'll never give up looking for my baby. Yeah. 
Thank you to all of our listeners logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. And thank you to everyone listening on JanoRadio.com. And of course, I have to give a big thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse. This is where the conversation happens. I'm Moments With Me, and you're listening to Coffee and Toe, World News on the Go, every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and... We share our views. If you look into her eyes, she's holding on to you so tight the way I did before. Coming up after the music break, business and tech news. Keep it locked. Now I can't get you out of my brain. Oh, it's such a shame. But we don't talk anymore. We don't talk anymore. We don't talk anymore like we used to. On your ways, front way, back way. You know that I don't play. Streets not safe, but I never run away. Even when I'm away. OT, OT. There's never much love when we go OT. I pray to make it back in one piece. I pray, I pray. That's why I need a one dance. Got a Hennessy in my hand. One more time before I go. Higher powers taking a hold on me. I need a one dance. Got a Hennessy in my hand One more time before I go Higher powers taking hold on me It is Turned Up Tuesday on Coffee and Toe We're playing yesterday's favorites and today's hits Strength and guidance All that I'm wishing for my friends Nobody makes it from my ends I had to bust up the silence Coming up later on on JohnnoRadio.com QMZRadio.com, ViscosityBlend.com, FutureFM.net, FutureFM98.9 in the Bronx, Mount Vernon, and Westchester. It is the Rose Solo Show, so make sure you check it out. And yes, I'll be there with Rose for In the Know. Now it's time for business and tech news. And 
And we're starting off with this story. Seven black fashion designers that deserve a round of applause after Fashion Week. New York Fashion Week 2022 is officially over, which means no more runway looks in cool streetwear styles. The runways this season featured over 25% black designers, meaning black designers are a force to be reckoned with. Thanks to the Black in Fashion Council, these black fashion designers made impressions this year at New York Fashion Week. Sergio Hudson. Check him out. S-E-R-G-I-O Hudson. Sergio Hudson debuted Collection 10. The designer is no stranger to New York Fashion Week, but surely outdid himself this time. Collection 10 premiered at the Le Mans Ballroom in Manhattan and was much more fun and lively than his past collections. With more vibrant colors and bold prints, Hudson mixed it up. Next up, Laquan Smith, L-A-Q-U-A-N underscore Smith. You can find him on Instagram as well. Inspired by wind, air, and movement, Laquan Smith's collection is serving legs, hips, and body. Smith says, my spring-summer 2023 collection is about wind, air, and movement. I took a trip this summer to Morocco and was completely inspired by the weather and the rich colors in the spice market. The collection also has many elements of eroticism, poetic and romantic. Smith has worked with celebrities like Beyonce, Jennifer Lopez, Kalani, and more. Next up, Theophilio. And I hope, well, ah, this is his name, but his Instagram name is Edvin Thompson, E-D-V-I-N Thompson. Hailing from Jamaica. All right, then. Come on, West Indies. Stand up, Caribbean. Stand up. Edvin Thompson and Theophilio Spring Summer 2022 collection gave the 70s with flare bottoms and carnival vibes with wild prints. The designer's latest collection prayed, paid tribute to black culture and Jamaican heritage. Pick up yourself. All right. Aliette by Jason Rembert, J-A-S-O-N-R-E-M-B-E-R-T. So, Jason Rembert's latest collection is a special thanks to women, he told Essence. For this upcoming New York Fashion Week, I took my time with this collection. I hope that the women I'm inspired by and admire feel seen. His runway clothes featured fun textures, lively colors, and woman next up Faye noel on instagram the name is spelled f-e-n-o-e-l and f-e-i-s-m underscore so felicia noel is her name says her nyfw collection drew inspiration from the ebbs and flows of life and its ups and downs making black culture look expensive. The staple from her line, led by an all-black team, includes the literal money-making gown called dress, spelled D-R-E dollar sign dollar sign. The dress represents the potential $1.6 million women are missing in retirement. Though the dollar bills were full, the gown will remain on display at Broadway and Grand Street until Tuesday, September 20th. 
today. So if you are in New York and you haven't seen it yet, hop on down to Broadway and Grand Street before they take it down. Samantha Black NYC. It was, oh, she's a Virgo too. All right. It was Samantha Black's first time at New York Fashion Week this week, this year rather. The line featured a twist on streetwear. She also is of Jamaican heritage by mixing yellows, greens, and oranges. Expect to see more from this emerging designer. Dur du. And I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. I don't speak French or Creole, but it is D-U-R-D-O-U-X. That's the name, also the name on Instagram. So they're a mother and daughter, duo Cynthia Burt and Najla. The luxury lifestyle brand embraces femininity and even had a shocking star walk the runway, Dee Dee Richards. The WNBA star stunned the runway in an orange tie-dye dress with dramatic-sized jewelry. So check them out, folks. It is great to see black designers, 25%. And I want to see more next year. I would love to see it at 50% next year. And here's why I'm saying that. Black culture has been the driving force behind fashion for decades. It's nothing new. It's just that we're now getting the recognition we deserve. Yes, we had the likes of Sean John. We had um, Rock Aware. There was Baby Fat, Fat Farm. Um, is, was it Academics? There are some others that we've had. But they did not get the recognition they deserved. I'm glad to see young talent emerging on the scene. And I want to see them succeed and I say we need to shift our economic spending power back to our communities. And this is a good way to do it. Teflon way. Yes, come through Teflon. Come on through. We're here for it. We are here for it. We have to support each other. And I'm not saying you can't own Gucci, Prada, Louis, Salvatore, uh, Givenchy, Yves Saint Laurent. I'm not saying Hermes. I'm not saying you can't own those. I'm not saying that at all. Balmain and the list goes on. What I'm saying is the way we spend and we, we seek to spend on those designers, let us have that same drive. Let us have that same passion to support these designers. Let's make sure we're doing that. So remember their names, Dudu, Diorjo, whatever, D-U-R-D-O-U-X. I hope I'm not butchering it. That's one. Next up, Samantha Black NYC, Jamaican Heritage on that one. Next up, Fee Noel and Feism, F-E-N-O-E-L and Feism, F-E-I-S-M underscore. Next up, Jason Rembert. Next, Edwin Thompson, also of Jamaican um, heritage. Laquan underscore Smith. Sergio Hudson. Let's support, right? Can't say we're not highlighting them. Now, the rest is up to us. Before running to buy those... Um, 
Givenchy outfits. Let's check them out first. All right. Just a recommendation. Okay. They put their passion into it. They pour their heart into it and I'm pushing them. And here's, here's something I, I realized. Um, somebody said on TikTok, coach is robbing y'all. They're not making the bags the way they used to. So whilst the leather may be still good quality, the lining is not. They promised suede and they used to put suede back in the day, but somebody did a breakdown. They went in, bought a coach bag, shredded it to pieces, cut it up and showed the material. So while you're rushing to pay hundreds or thousands of dollars for that bag, are you really getting the quality you deserve? Are you getting the quality you deserve? Or are you just content with paying for the name but don't care much for the quality? All because you want to make a statement. Think about that. All right. Next story. Thank you, DJ Naturalist, for sending this one over. More U.S. employers are trapping workers in a new form of indentured servitude. I'm going to read the article. Bosses in industries such as retail, healthcare, and logistics are reverting to an old tactic and trapping people in miserable jobs by threatening to saddle them with debt if they quit. Workers across the United States in fields ranging from nursing to trucking have been discouraged from leaving jobs they hate or cannot afford to keep because employers vow to charge them for training costs if they quit before an arbitrary deadline. The threats are backed by so-called training repayment program. <laughs> no, 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 you know what? Training repayment agreement provisions. What's the acronym? TRAP. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so in employment contracts. Yep, the trap is in the employment contract. The practice has been likened by critics to indentured servitude and peonage. <clears throat> Excuse me. Formerly common types of debt bondage in which a borrower was bound to perform labor for a creditor. Traps have recently come under fire from policymakers because of class action litigation against the pet store chain PetSmart and reporting on the restrictive covenants from a watchdog group called the Student Borrower Protection Center. Earlier this month, the Senate Banking Committee held hearing examining hearings examining the agreements and other forms of employer-driven debt. In June, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau also launched an investigation of employment arrangements that led to workers owing money to their bosses. Two workers who are being threatened with thousands of dollars in bills through the enforcement of traps appeared before the banking committee on September 7. Brian Scally, the lead plaintiff in the class action against PetSmart, told lawmakers about how she was left owing $5,500 to the company for a dog grooming academy that was initially advertised as free. Registered nurse Cassie Pennings testified about being stuck with $7,500 more than six months rent 
after leaving one hospital job because she was appalled by staffing ratios during the COVID-19 pandemic and did not want to be complicit in neglecting patients. Although the pair came from different industries, they both detailed callous indifference from their ex-managers in response to their grievances. Despite being one of the most profitable healthcare systems in the nation, my former employer responded to cries for help from the front line with breakfast burritos and free water bottles. Penning said, Scally recalled how one manager told her she could work her way out of debt simply by upselling or convincing customers to buy more pet grooming products and services. Are you hearing me? I hope you're hearing me because I do have a red bar. Hmm. Yep. She said that she upsold $6,000 worth of products but was still charged the full amount for the debt months after she left the job. (laughs) Is this anything new? Nope. No. Nothing new. Not at all. I always heard about companies that would say, you know, we will give you the money to go back to school to get further qualification. However, you have to work another two years with us. And if you leave, you have to repay the debt. Many people take up the offer because for many, it's a great offer, right? It helps them avoid having this student debt hanging over their head. By the way, I hope you all are following up on the student loan deadline for the applications, which is next month. Don't let that pass you by. You know, they're not making us get it easy. You have to jump through hoops. So do what you got to do. Just a reminder. Why do they do this? They want to return on their investment. You think they're going to, and that is why they say nothing is free. Don't make goes fool you. Nothing is free. So you're trapped. You want the degree and you got to stick it out for, you know, you get the degree and you got to stick it out for two or three or four or five years. You can't let go because if you do, we got you. Here's the bill. Please pay this back. Nothing is free. Don't make ghosts fool you about nothing. Don't make nobody. T- While there is opportunity in developing countries, I'm not going to say no. But understand it comes at a cost. You have, to weigh the, the, you have to weigh it out for yourself. Weigh the pros and cons. Do your research. Is this an organization I want to be trapped in for up to five years? Because I am going to take advantage of of the opportunities that they are extending to their employees, right? Weigh your pros and cons. And you're right, AM, toxic workplaces are known for those scenarios and they will take advantage of you. They will. So indeed, it is a form of indentured servitude. And I'm sure we all know someone who has been caught in that trap. We ourselves may have been caught in it and didn't even realize that there was a name for it until now. Indentured servitude. 
And when you think even beyond that, them paying for education for you, are you really being paid what you are worth? Your experience? Your good work habits? Are you really being paid fairly for it? Think about that too. Right? Thank you again, Naturalist, for sending that over. I really appreciate it. Now we're going to jump into sports news. Oh, they're kind of busy on the sports side. <laughs> Tom Brady, he's back in the sports news today. Let's see what's going on with him. So, ah, CNN Sports. Tom Brady snapped the Tom, Tom, <laughs> Tampa Bay Buccaneers seven-game losing streak against the New Orleans Saints as his team overcame a fraught game filled with scuffles and frayed nerves to seal a 2010 victory in Louisiana. Four of those seven losses have come since Brady arrived at Tampa Bay and those three years of frustration seemed to weigh on the seven-time Super Bowl winner. With 10 minutes and 48 seconds remaining in the third quarter and trailing the Saints 3-0, Brady took out his anger on the sidelines by throwing a Microsoft tablet to the ground. His frustrations simmered over into the fourth quarter, and after a third down incomplete pass with a score tied 3-3, he came to blows with New Orleans cornerback Marshawn Lattimore. Buccaneers running back Leonard Fournette and wide receiver Mike Evans intervened, sparking a skirmish that eventually led to the ejections of Lattimore and Evans. Evans was later suspended for one game without pay by the NFL on Monday for violations of unnecessary roughness and unsportsmanlike conduct. So, hold on a second. Uh, what repercussions did tom brady get nothing for his temper tantrum i think he is taking his home problems onto the field i don't think it's the game i think he's frustrated with what's going on in his personal life so he gets into a scuffle and nothing happens to him but to you know what? Let me done. Let, let me done. Let me done. Let me done. Let me done this. Because something is wrong with that picture. And then he's going to say it's an emotional game. A little bit of execution helps all the way around. I thought the defense played well again and the offensive line fought hard. It's a really tough team, really well coached. A team we really struggle with, so it feels good to win. And sorry for breaking that tablet, he added later on Twitter. I think that's going to be another Twitter meme or something like that. <laughs> I'm telling you. Imbalance in the scales. Brady? You know what? Let me, let me keep my mouth shut. Let me keep my mouth shut. You got to know how to separate personal from business. And I think you're using the game as an excuse. But that's not your problem. Your mind isn't settled, Brady. Your mind is not settled. 
you need to bow out and go deal with your home front. With Giselle not living with you and the boys or the children. I'm not sure if it's two boys or whatever, but children not living with you. Because I know the, the, the barrel of the gun you're staring down. Because if that ends up in a divorce, yeah, you're going to lose a lot of your wealth. It's inevitable. Go sort out your home problems. That's all I must say, Tom. Yeah, Buffalo Bills dominate Tennessee Titans 41-7. But cornerback Dane Jackson hospitalized after scary-looking injury. The Buffalo Bills continued their electric start to the new season on Monday night, beating the Tennessee Titans 41-7. But the evening was marred by a scary-looking injury to one of their defenders. Bills cornerback Dane Jackson was taken to the hospital in an ambulance after suffering a neck injury during a collision with a teammate near the end of the first half. Jackson's neck bent backwards awkwardly after colliding with Tremaine Edmonds while making a tackle late in the first half. He was placed on a stretcher before being loaded into an ambulance and taken to the hospital. In a statement, the bill said Jackson was taken to ECMC for evaluation of a neck injury where he could get a CT scan I'm hearing a lot of static. Are you hearing the static? I am hearing a whole lot of static here. Okay. Okay, it's gone. Thank you. So after the game, Buffalo head coach Sean McDermott said he was awaiting more updates about Jackson's status, but the team was all sending prayers for him. I think that's the team. Oh, Marlon isn't here yet. Okay. I think that's the team Marlon was saying that uh, Miami has to prove themselves against the Buffalo Bills. But in years gone by, they weren't always doing well, were they, if, if memory serves me well. Never too cared for the Tennessee Titans. I don't know why. Don't ask me. I don't know. But they got their ass beat. So did anyone see the um, football soccer game <laughs> with the Jamaican guy on the team out of Miami? Anyway, let me get to the story. So DC United's Greek forward Taxi Fuentes has denied using a racist slur towards Inter Miami's Jamaican defender Damian Lowe during Sunday's Major League Soccer match. MLS says it is investigating the alleged incident which took place on the hour mark as Fuentes, who had just scored for DC, got into an altercation with Lowe. The situation escalated and both Fuentes and Lowe, who is black, were booked by the referee before Miami's players huddled together and spoke to and spoke and spoke spoke to manager Phil Neville. Neville then spoke with United manager Wayne Rooney, his old England teammate, who chose to substitute Fuentes out of the game. In his post-match press conference, Miami fullback DeAndre Yedlin said he spoke to Neville and said the players were not going to continue until something was done with that player. And if nothing was done, we weren't going to continue. Damon and another player got into a little bit of a scuffle. As Damon was walking away, the guy called him the N-word. In a statement posted to his Instagram account, Fuentes said he did not use the word he's being accused of using. That despicable racial slur is one I denounce and did not use use we had a hot discussion on the field but i have not racially abused anyone 
I firmly reject racism in any form. It is despicable. So I caught a little bit of the tango that they were having. And you could see, what's his name? Oh my gosh, um, Damien, like really restraining himself because he has had a few run-ins, right? And he's had to be spoken to and he's calmed down a whole lot. You know, the real Jamaican, we go zero to 100 real quick, piss way off and yeah, are we that? Yeah, think, act first, think later, yeah. You could see him looking down on um, Fuantas like, oh, and I'm like, don't do it, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Please don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Looked like he wanted to smack the living daylights out of him. So I want to know exactly what was said. Now my interest is piqued. What was said on the field? Can we have the details, please? <laughs> That's all I want to know. But big up yourself, Damien. You never, you never give in. You didn't give in. You did not give in. Proud of you. Yeah. Not easy to do, right? Not easy. All right, and now it is time for Caribbean Corner. First up, courtesy of CaribbeanLoopNews.com. No, I'm sorry. This one is courtesy of WSVN.com. I'm so accustomed to saying Caribbean Loop News. This is courtesy of WSVN.com. Fiona barrels toward Cur Turks and Caicos as Category 3 hurricane. Hurricane Fiona barreled towards the Turks and Caicos Islands on Tuesday as a Category 3 storm, prompting the government to impose a curfew. Forecasters said... Uh, Fiona was expected to pass near Grand Turk, the British territory's capital island, on Tuesday morning. Storms are unpredictable, Premier Washington Missick said in a statement from London, where he was attending the funeral of QE2. You must therefore take every precaution to ensure your safety. He's expected to return to the island on Thursday. Um, Early this morning, it was centered about 20 miles southeast of Grand Turk Island. It had maximum sustained winds of 115 miles per hour or 185 kilometers per hour and was moving northwest at 10 miles per hour. The intensifying storm kept dropping copious rain over the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico. Uh, so we're praying for our folks in uh, Turks and Caicos. Hopefully everyone is able to secure themselves if there's anyone who needs to move to higher ground out of flood prone areas they will take heed and do so so our thoughts and prayers are definitely with them over there next up christopher tufton christopher tufton so we're in jamaica with this one courtesy of jamaicaloopnews.com if health minister dr christopher tufton has his way nurses will be able to work in jamaica for part of the year and in the United States for the remainder of the year. Dr. Tufton says flexible contracts enabling Jamaican nurses to earn higher salaries abroad while maintaining their employment in Jamaica could be part of the solution to the migration of nurses, which has increased since the pandemic. We need to embrace the concept of flexible work contracts. 
I see the day when a nurse can work for five months in Miami and seven months in Jamaica. And I see no problem with the system allowing that. The rules would obviously have to change, Dr. Tufton said. Speaking at the Masters of Medicine conference in Kingston last Thursday, the health minister said the motivation for working and the rules under which the individuals worked have changed dramatically since the pandemic. He suggested that the motivation for healthcare professionals migrating was economic and that many would stay in Jamaica if ways could be explored for them to work part-time and earn better salaries in the U.S. Dr. Tufton said he has started a dialogue between the Nursing Council of Jamaica and equivalent bodies in the U.S. as to how they can recognize the qualifications of nurses in both countries. He also expressed support for suitability or suitably qualified nurses writing prescriptions despite the opposition of some doctors. Hmm, interesting. He said, I am now championing the cause for prescriptive rights for advanced nursing practitioners as it happens in other countries. I know a lot of doctors don't want it, which is true, we know. They, the doctors, may feel that authority should reside with a doctor. They may feel that the nurses are not trained enough, but I can tell you that advanced nursing practitioners way up in the bush rural areas oftentimes write prescriptions based on a conversation with the doctor in a town center. Dr. Tufton admitted that it was a challenge to make changes in the health sector. The public health system is very territorial. Stakeholders are very guarded in protecting their authority and their legitimacy to offer solutions, even at the risk of delayed care. Okay, one for the books. I give you all that. I think that's a great idea. We talk about migration being an issue. We talk about brain drain being an issue. So this is a way to offer retention. You go, you work a couple months, you come back and you work again. Because this shows that you are recognizing, Dr. Tufton, that there is an economic disadvantage of being solely confined to Jamaica. So I, I appreciate that. Moments. Yes. Yes. Jamaica. Who's paying for who's paying for their travel and their stay? Me no know yet. You know that not come out yet. We're waiting for that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're waiting for that. We're waiting for that to come out. But it's not a bad opportunity, right? Um. Now, as it relates to writing prescriptions, I don't think that should be a problem. I don't think doctors should be hesitant and feel that their um, authority or their prominence and respect is going to diminish any. I don't think so. I think that they should look at it as an alleviation, some kind of help, because they say they're burdened, right? So we're offering you some help. And when you think about it, yes, in the bush rural areas, let's think about midwives. They're delivering babies without do they go to school for the number of years? I think midwifery is one of the oldest professions right there along with prostitution, if you ask me. How many midwives had to go through seven, eight, nine, ten years of medical training? Usually midwifery, especially within rural communities, is learned, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. From generation to generation. Yep. And usually they're in touch with the land, right? They know the natural remedies and they're able to apply them successfully. So if you have a nurse at the highest level, well qualified, I don't see why that nurse can't um, write a prescription. I don't have a problem with that. Not sure. What are your thoughts on that? Morning, everyone. Good morning, James. Yeah, um, they, they actually um, started something like that um, in Ontario also, where um, nurses, um, nurses are able to, to do a um, certain type of prescriptions mm -hmm. um, because of the, the shortage of doctors and stuff like that. But I think the pushback from doctors in Jamaica is like it's cutting in on their hustle. So I think that's a pushback because, you know, you go and, and they just write a prescription and, and take a couple thousand dollars from you and, and, you know, send you home. So <laughs> I think it's, it's I think that's that's the concern, their, their hustle. Okay. But no, it's a good it's a good idea because other countries are doing it, too. So, you know, it's a good idea. Yeah. Also, <laughs> do you know that some nurses actually make more than doctors? They definitely make more than depending on how long they have been in the field many of them make more than doctors better believe it yeah especially if they're a doctor of nursing nurse practitioners yes Javette. you know i was here wondering what's the name again because son number three was delivered she was my primary care physician a nurse practitioner the sweetest person i'd love to find her i would love to find her marlon is in love with her he loved her to death so he enjoyed going to all the doctor's visits. I think he was there for her, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I went in to have um, son number three. She was coming off her shift. Her shift had ended. And when she realized that I was there, she said no. She's not leaving. She has to deliver this baby. So she delivered the child for him. Not for me. She did it for him. Even told him, Marlon, go eat something and come back. She ain't going nowhere. Baby going to be here when you get back. Meaning not delivered yet. So go on and eat. Yeah, he went to Dennis, sat himself down and had him a big breakfast. And I ate him for that. While I was <laughs> like there. <laughs> <laughs> but she told me I could leave and you left yeah she told me I could go did you have the baby no see she know what she's talking about yeah her name was Christine if I remember well her last name I can't remember but he loved her and I think I want to believe she's Jamaican I really want to believe she's Jamaican but yeah Marlon was in love with her yeah Good, good um, healthcare providers are needed. Yeah, well needed. All right, Tufton, not a bad move. That's one check for you. Next up, Jamaican among five arrested in night, massive Nigerian cocaine bust. Ouch. Okay, let's get into this one. Nigeria's anti-drug agency seized a record 1.8 tons of cocaine valued at U.S. $278 million at a Lagos warehouse in what it described Monday 
as likely the country's largest bust ever. Five people, the warehouse manager and four drug barons, including one profiled as a Jamaican, were arrested in connection with the drugs, the National Drug Law Enforcement Agency said. It said the suspects were members of an international drug syndicate the agency has been trailing since 2018. The agency said the drugs were found in a secluded estate in an area of Lagos on Sunday at a time when the cartel was trying to sell them to buyers in Europe, Asia, and other parts of the world. The drugs were stored in 10 travel bags and 13 drums, the agency said in a statement published, along with photos of the suspects and the drugs. The agency said the arrests and seizure were a historical blow to the drug cartels and a strong warning that they'll all go down if they fail to realize that the game has changed. Wow. Drug seizures have been rising in West Africa in the last year, indicating that traffickers have made the continent a hub to move their illegal products between South America and Europe. $278 million. That's a lot of money. Somebody's not happy. But most of the cocaine, where does it come from? Is it still Colombia? Or is it Mexico? Where where, where, where is most of the cocaine manufactured? There was a time when it was um, Colombia, no? Am I wrong? I don't know. Okay. Why am I doing a Google search on this? Where is most cocaine (laughs) produced? Oh, my God. Nobody knows? Okay, that's Colombia. You just said it. Colombia. But but Mexico does a lot, too. So I'm just wondering. Yeah, Yeah, Colombia was back in the days. I think Mexico take over now. Well, I'll tell you something, James. Hold on. Colombia is still the world's largest cocaine producing country. And this is as of May 6, 2022. So, yes, uh, Dre, you're right. But go ahead, James. I'm so sorry to interrupt. Be careful with the um, Google search. It might come for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're right. Gotta be. Mexico, Mexico is, is, is one of the main um, transport spots to get it over in the U.S. But mm. most of the cocaine is uh, made in Colombia. But listen and to Mexicans, this. they can't they can't beat the Colombians price either. <laughs> but listen to this. I saw this thing um on this website, www.france24.com. Colombia top cocaine producer despite shrinking cocoa fields. So Colombia in 2020 managed to reduce by 7% its land surface in coca cultivation, but remained the largest producer of cocaine. Yeah. You know who else produces um, Peru and Bolivia? I was just going to say Peru. Peru was actually the first when I watched wow. like documentaries and stuff, and then Colombia took over from them. Mm. You, you know what's interesting to the, the countries that grow um, a lot of um, cocaine? Mm-hmm. The plant um are they are like some of the top countries in in coffee agriculture too so like like the temperature <laughs> no seriously like the temperature is 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 great for coffee and it's great for for you know that plant that made the cocaine 
the cocoa ideas in the blue mountains gyms <laughs> that's what i was yeah, thinking right. us ideas in the blue mountains well then probably then probably uh, agriculture some uh, up there, know. but but the thing is nigeria though nigeria is a bit far for like a hub i think nigeria probably i wouldn't be surprised if if the usage is going up in nigeria because nigeria um there are a lot of like wealthy like a lot of ballers in nigeria so I, I I think it's it's a bit too far to be used like as a transshipment route. So I think Nigeria might be like one of the the, the spot nowhere because normally like it's Canada, America, England, um, a lot of countries in Europe. But because Nigeria is so wealthy now and so much like flossing and stuff going on over there, I wouldn't be surprised if the usage is very high over there to why. It, you know, it's it's gone to that side because, yeah, it's too far for a transshipment. Uh -uh, it's not, James. Pull up your world map. Nigeria's it's at it's not. It's actually a great central point. When you think Colombia to Nigeria, Mexico to Nigeria, and then from Nigeria, because remember, Nigeria is due east of central and south america think about that and then from there it's a quick lift up to the north into europe it's a perfect transshipment point if you ask me makes sense and then you have to also think you know, yeah, they can get it moved. As you said, it can pass under the disguise because there's a lot of wealth in Nigeria. Kind of makes sense when you think about it. A lot of wealth is in Nigeria. Remember, Nigeria has the oil. So it is very easy to pass off the lavish lifestyle from and say oil, crude oil. But yeah, you have to love Jamaicans though, because we take our talents everywhere. You know, all the way in Nigeria. <laughs> you know, like, like the 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 um, was it the mayor? Was it Montego Bay? That that article that you read about the you know, people people leave in Jamaica. Oh yes, the one from um Montego Bay, the mayor of Montego Bay, who said that we're cowards for leaving. Well, I hope I hope him sister people. You know, people are leave for different type of things too. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take them talents other places. Go make some money. Oh, my gosh. So, Golding pledges to weed out inequities in local ganja industry. People's National Party president and opposition, opposition leader Mark Golding has lambasted the government for its perpetrated failures to deliver several promises on the economic and crime fronts. In rallying comrades and citizens of Jamaica to join forces with the PNP to form the next government, Golding highlighted several social and economic initiatives that his party will be bringing to the table to rescue the country. Among the proposed solutions are greater focus on agriculture, as well as the local ganja industry, where under a PNP government, home-based ganja production is to be facilitated. Golding, in his address at the party's 84th annual conference at the National Arena on Sunday, said Jamaicans' economic outlooks are dim and argued that the masses are struggling to make ends meet. He said, Comrades, the Jamaica Labour Party received the support of 21% of the electorate in the last general elections. 
So in a real sense, they are a minority government. They are a government that is increasingly associated with failing the people. They promised 5% growth in four years, the so-called five in four. But from over that period from 2016 to the start of the pandemic in 2020, growth was stagnant under their watch. Time come to call it what it is, an illusion, an abject failure. Turning to, gr- to crime, he again wrapped the government for its failure to find adequate solutions to the country's woes. Do not forget, they also promised we could sleep with our windows and our doors open. But with one of the highest rates of murder in the world, Jamaicans are living in insecurity, violence, and fear. 93% of Jamaicans have lost confidence in the government's current crime-fighting capability and management. People are afraid to go outside. People are afraid to hang out on them ends because to do so is a risk to their lives. A strange face is viewed with suspicion. Meanwhile, the opposition leader argued that for the country to have a hopeful future, there must be a radical change for the better across several industries, such as the ganja industry. Golding lamented the need for the country to move beyond the decriminalization of marijuana, which he said he championed and made a reality under the last PNP administration. Somebody please let me know if that's true. He elaborated that the potential of this industry is vast, but the government does not seem to understand or believe in it. I believe that Jamaica never should have criminalized marijuana. It is the world's best, if you ask me. Never smoked it, but I've smelt it. I remember going up into the hills of Alexandria, into a place called St. Daco, which leads up into Nine Miles. And for those who are familiar with the word Nine Miles, yes, that's where um, Bob Marley was born. Um, I remember going up there, and you could just smell it in the air. Not burning, just the trees blowing in the wind. I remember too going to Westmoreland out to uh, was it Westmoreland, Little London, out to Westmoreland with a friend of mine. Her um, family had a gas station out there, and I remember going there with her one weekend. And as you're driving by and you're seeing the fields, it was a beauty, I must say. The world's best people want it, but we criminalize it. Just as we criminalize our curse words, people want the first thing. You're from Jamaica. Teach me the bumba clat. No, I'm sorry. I forgot I was live on air. But that's what they want to learn. They want to learn the words, the clots, the B and the R and the P. That's what they want to learn. And they want to learn how to say right and how to do it. But yet, if the cops hear you saying it, it's a problem. Something is wrong. The very things that we can use to make money are the very things that we're suppressing. Make that make sense. Makes no sense to me. Yeah, the, the opposition need to go sit down, like, like, and and it explains why they don't want, they don't place a lot of emphasis on education, like, and people keeping up to what's going on because they can they can use, um, you know, rallies like this and trick people because you know the the easiest thing for do now for rile up support is talk about ganja, but um, if people were reading and, and know what's going on, even if them in even if them incru- increase Jamaica's um, production the government already sell out um jamaica um 
marijuana industry to the Canadian government already. <laughs> the Canadian government signed sign must be a hundred year contract or some some ridiculous contract to secure um ganja from Jamaica. So most of the ganja that's produced in Jamaica right now comes straight to Canada. So if 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 they increase it, it's not being increased for, for anything apart from coming to Canada. And and the the American government already tell them so I don't know why it might try um rile up people because the American government already tell them say like look our banking industry is closed after you guys if if you legalize marijuana a certain way and even in Jamaica now the dispensaries that are open they, they have to open based on um getting money from other places like they're not getting money from NCB or or Scotia Bank or CIBC so yeah so He's just talking to, to get support, but he knows already that he's talking garbage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, if I remember well, when the PNP were, when they were in a lot of, I remember back, way back, way, way back, they stick it back to the 70s, enough Gancha playing to leave Jamaica still enough. What it? <laughs> That's what very at the PNP, you know? <laughs> were a lot of strips along the north coast yes and parts of the south coast no ganja playing used to and them can't touch down too long in a yeah wasn't a pmp government said the rest of them for dead how would you say that again i don't know i don't i don't remember yeah and under 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 that leadership too, I think it was Manly at the time when like um Peter Tash couldn't go anywhere. Like everywhere I'm turning get beaten. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> not 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 saying that not saying that them can't change them can't but it's it just hypocritical now that you know Canada legalize it um um in a Europe, everywhere in a Europe it legalized. All of a sudden now them 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 have strength and, and them them bold and brave now. Why them couldn't bold and brave when um from Back in the seventies and eighties, when Rasta tell themselves, "Yo, this thing is is a good thing," and legalize it. You know, them have strength now. After everybody else legalize it, now them are, are, are run up and down like, "Yeah, it's yeah, good now." But you know, that's how it go. That's how it have to go. I mean, come on, James, don't be surprised. And um, yeah, don't don't be surprised. Don't make anything surprise you. <laughs> so, Chris, the doctor tough done heads to the United States to sign MOUs to recruit to nurses for Jamaica. We did that already, so I don't know why they're bringing that back up to me again. But up next, Jamaica, the Bahamas, and Antigua Prime Ministers hold audience with King Charles III. The Prime Ministers of Jamaica, Antigua, and Barbuda, and the Bahamas have held their first meetings with King Charles III in his new role as their monarch. The meeting, which took place over the weekend ahead of Queen Elizabeth the second's state funeral was held at Buckingham Palace in London. The first prime minister to meet King's, King Charles III was Philip Davis of the Bahamas. Meeting with His Majesty the King today at Buckingham Palace was a pleasure. Our conversation was a great reflection on the relationship the royal family has shared with the people of the Bahamas. I expressed my personal condolences and well wishes to King Charles III, he said in a social media post. Prime Minister Andrew Holness met the king and expressed condolences on behalf of the Jamaican people. 
On Saturday, I had an audience with King Charles III, the first since he became king. I congratulated King Charles on his new role and I expressed to him my deep and sincere condolences following the passing of his mother. Prime Minister Gaston Brown was one of three heads of government from Charles III's realm that was granted an audience on Sunday. Brown also offered his condolences and congratulated Charles III on his ascension to the throne. All the leaders paid their final respects to QE2 at her state funeral. <laughs> I'm laughing too. <laughs> you know why I'm laughing, Javette. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure about Antigua and Barbudo. You can let me know. But aren't the citizens of the Bahamas crying for a break away from the monarchy? So do the Jamaicans. <laughs> doesn't doesn't look like a moment at all. <laughs> hey, you know, you know, and somebody has a somebody in body language has some exact opposite. Mm -hmm. That is that that is what comes to mind right here. It's like you walk, the, you talk the talk, but when it comes to walk the walk, mm -hmm. you go back in your cocoon and you just shrivel up. <laughs> look at this Ebony's PTR. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Why did he give them an air? Go right ahead. Yeah, you, know, you notice um, uh, me and Motley didn't get an invitation? <laughs> how you know that, James? I was <laughs> yeah, James, how you know that? Mia told you? <laughs> James! Don't go silent, I, no, taco. No, I was looking for her. Like, I'm looking for all the leaders. I see Trudeau, I see I see Biden, I see... And I'm looking and I'm looking. And, like, I saw... Because I, you know, scrub YouTube because I'm like, I bet he's not going to invite her. And I'm but, no, 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 like, hold on, it. hold on. Not seeing her uh -huh. there doesn't mean she didn't get an invitation. What, she turned it down? She couldn't, she? But, I, don't think, uh, I don't think she was invited, though. Just Google it, man. Google it, Yeah, you. but she's not underneath the um the monarch anymore. Facts. Yeah, but 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 so I want to see why they would invite her. Th those those people that came is Joe, um, Joe Biden is not under under it anymore. Well, I mean, US is the US. <laughs> yeah, they, but you the, know the, the US number one everywhere. Yeah, number one ally. But yeah, she she not underneath uh, the monarch anymore. So yeah. I will see why they didn't invite her. And plus. <laughs> she probably wouldn't even go <laughs> spare the environment. <sighs> I don't know about Antigua. I haven't asked anybody. I haven't read the news. I've I've been off news since um the um young lady passed. I don't want to call her old lady passed, so I'm gonna say since she passed. <laughs> I've been off the news. And oh, I ain't asked my people them, so I don't know. I haven't read anything either. So yeah. I don't know really about Antigua. Okay. All right. Thank you, Javette. But James, I'm not going to say that um, she was not invited because the truth is we don't know. All right? Um, yeah. I don't want to say yes to that. 
she could have very well have been invited. And how how do you know she wasn't there? Did you were you able to see everybody that was there? Did you see everybody, James? Come on, talk about. Well, well, I saw I saw the bus because they put all the um, black leaders on on one bus. <laughs> And I didn't see I didn't see any females in there, so I don't I don't know she's not Teflon. So seriously, like we saw the bus, they had they had a big bus and all the black leaders was on there. And then Macron and all them lot had their separate um, escorts and Biden had were, were, were we allowed to sit at a had front his, uh, of the bus driving there. That, um, that's my <laughs> Did you peek inside the bus? Were we allowed to sit in the front seat, man? That's what I want to know. <laughs> but, you know, when I think of me, me and Markley, um, I think of a movie I saw Saturday, The Woman King. What a brilliant movie. I, I recommend it to anybody to go out there and, and watch it. But Mia Motley is the epitome of strength and courage and walking a walk. And I'm hoping at some point Jamaica comes up with the equivalent of one Mia Motley. Thank you. <laughs> I can't wait till the rest of you guys watch this movie because as I was scrolling through Clubhouse yesterday, everybody, there were so many negative rooms about the movie. Wow. I was surprised. I was surprised. <sighs> so the rooms that were negative, who were in those rooms? What's the demographic that were in those rooms? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be quiet now. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. That's exactly why I'm laughing. Uh you know one of the problems that um I I've heard and is something going on in um Hollywood amongst the black community. Um the American actors is not pleased with a lot of the British actors getting roles. And they're definitely not pleased with uh, a lot of the African actors getting um, certain roles too. Oh, it's a, a big conflict in Hollywood. So them um, want to eat, Dre? Are them alone for eat? Are them have family to look after? Are them no, want leave a legacy? I'm, I'm, I'm just bringing it to light, you know. I'm just bringing it to light, you know, because like, there's, uh, there's there's a lot of the divisions within the black community. I, I see on the app as well. I mean, you've got you've got rooms that are, um, you got the black Americans saying they're not African and then the Africans are not claiming um, um, being black African-American. It's just crazy. And then and then the British are saying that um, they're Caribbean and they're not African. And then you got the ones that say that they're African heritage. And then you got the ones that are saying that slavery, didn't, it's just it's too much. It's too much. <laughs> it's too much, Teflon. It is too much. They will drive you crazy. And you know what is sad is that a lot of people who are talking are not even doing their research. They're going off of hearsay. They heard, for example, yeah. you come in here, you hear somebody say something, and then you run with it because then you it, run with it. Yeah. yeah, because it sounds good, and you good. can start a fire. You become a gaslighter. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. And I don't know if you were in here, Teflon, when I have said this a couple of times. We need to fix us. Until we fix us, how can we ask others to respect us and hold us in high regard when we don't even hold each other in high regard? There is so much division. To be honest, to be honest, I don't, I don't, I don't, 
I can't see it happening. I know, it's, I know, it's, it's sad to say, but I just can't see it happen because um, all these different groups, everyone's got their strong views, and no one's gonna ever, ever concede and and say, "All right, cool, let's do this." Like everyone's stuck in their own in their own ways, and no, their opinions are never gonna change. And because of that, I don't think I don't think nothing's gonna change. We're always gonna be like this. Are you gonna have the, the separate communities that are gonna uh, keep debating, and then? They're gonna have their opinions and they're gonna stick with it, and it's just gonna be like that. Yeah. And then all the other all the other communities are gonna keep um, continue to excel, like all the, the Asian communities, <sighs> etc., <cetera>, etc. <cetera. laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <sighs> I don't know what's gonna happen to us, but in Latin America, Fiona dumped rain. A lot of rain in Puerto Rico and troops had to rescue hundreds of people. While in the Dominican Republic, they got slammed by Hurricane Fiona. And there was a strong earthquake um, in Mexico on their Pacific coast and one person was killed. It is time for us to take another break when we return. It is Believe It or Not News. Here are some oldies but goodies. Remember, 7 p.m. Eastern tonight, tune in to QMZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, ViscosityBlend.com, FutureFM.net, and FutureFM 98.9 if you're up there in the Bronx, Mount Vernon, and Westchester for the Rose Solo Show. You are my shining star, my guiding light, my love fantasy. There's not a minute, hour, day, or night that I don't love you. You're at the top of my list cause I'm always thinking of you. I still remember in the days when I was scared to touch you. How I spent my day dreaming, planning how to say I love you. You must have known that I had feelings deep enough to swim in. That's when you opened up your heart and you told me to come in. Oh, my love.
Thank you to all of our listeners logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. Remember for quality music while you work or play. QMZRadio.com, quality music to help you get through your day. Big thank you to the listeners logged on to JohnOradio.com, J-A-H-K-N-O, available in your Apple and Google Play store. So go ahead and download the app today. Jano Radio, take us on the go. Give me the going to be right back after this music break with believe it or not news thank you to everyone here with me on clubhouse where the conversation happens i am moments with me and you're listening to coffee and toe world news on the go every monday through friday 9 a.m to 12 p.m eastern where i read the news and we share our views if you are here with me on clubhouse and you're not yet following the house go ahead and click at the top of the screen and Join the group. And it is time for us to get into the Believe It or Not stories. Thank you so much for being here with me. Appreciate each and every one of you. First up, TikTok user dresses in blackface to mock the Little Mermaid reactions. Story courtesy of Bala Alert. After the release of the Little Mermaid teaser, hundreds of reaction videos and TikToks have swarmed social media. One TikTok in particular has many enraged as an Indonesian college student dressed in blackface pretending to be a black girl who sees herself through the Little Mermaid character. Mommy, 
She looks like me. She's so pretty, Mommy, said Jossie Marcelli Risaputra as he put on a red wig. I have no words. What was he thinking? And it's gone now, thank God. People are just so disrespectful. It's unbelievable. We're just a few comments left by TikTok users under the viral video. Despite the negative backlash and comments, Risaputra took to TikTok to state, Just woke up and my video's still up. I will stick to TikTok community guidelines. Play by the rule book. I am not going to remove the video myself, he said. All his social media outlets have ceased, including his TikTok. Those enraged by his post are referring to themselves as Twitter detectives after finding more information on Risa Putra, including the speculation about his family and his education. After reaching out to his sister university and law school, there was no response. Blackface was created in the 1800s by white actors who performed with paint on their faces to mimic enslaved Africans. They would usually be portrayed as lazy, ignorant, and hypersexual characters with hopes of exaggerating what were thought to be characteristics of African Americans. Risa Putra has yet to make a statement or speak out regarding his video, which is viral. I think he needs to pull it down. I think he needs to pull it down. And what gets me is that some people who are speaking facts on various platforms, they get censored. They, I, I, I don't know who the police are, but they get censored for speaking the truth and presenting historical facts. But yet some people are allowed to make fun and jeer other communities, and it's okay. Even though many are outraged, it's okay. Something is wrong with our moral compass, and he really thinks what he's done is okay. Could it be that he doesn't know the history behind blackface? He didn't care to do the research. He probably saw somebody do it and felt, you know what, I'm going to do it too because it looks cool. He doesn't understand the significance of what he's doing. We're in 2022. Yes, there are a lot of things that I am ignorant of and I'm not ashamed to cry. And I've said it in here I'm, and you know, I own up to my ignorance when it comes to certain things and I ask for clarification i seek clarification i seek knowledge couldn't he have done the same he goes to law school so i guess doing research is not just to be able to get your law degree it goes way beyond that my friend exercise common sense Install a moral compass and take the video down. It's the best thing you can do. Because since you see no reason to take it down, <laughs> you know what, let me stop right there. Yeah. So police were called after the Brook. Remember the Brooklyn pastor who said they stole, what, $1 million worth of jewelry? 
and they came into the church. You remember that story? He's back in the news again. He's been staying in the news. <sighs> Let's get to the story. Police were called after a Brooklyn pastor was seen mishandling a woman during a live-streamed church service. Things got a little heated on Sunday with Pastor Lamore Whitehead of the local leaders of Tomorrow International Ministry. Yeah, according to TMZ, sources say the incident occurred after an argument over who was filming Whitehead's service. During the service, a woman apparently interrupted Pastor Whitehead over recording concerns. As the incident escalated, he eventually invited the woman to the altar. Come on up here, he said. I'm going to make you famous. Whitehead encouraged the congregation to pray in spirit as the woman made her way down to the altar. Let's give Jesus a round of, of applause. Let's give Jesus a round of applause while they take pictures and they want to be on social media, Whitehead said as he pointed toward the camera. The woman then approached Whitehead and proceeded to point and yell toward the altar. That is when Whitehead appeared to grab the woman's head and shove her out of the picture. Whitehead then ordered someone to remove another woman from the altar as the confrontation continued off camera. Whitehead told the woman to press whatever charges she wanted as he claimed he felt threatened. Amen, amen. You're not going to come into my space. I feel threatened. The amen goes on and on and on. He returned to the public. Let's get back to the word of God. Clap it up. According to sources, Whitehead and the alleged victim were taken to the precinct for further questioning. The pastor was released without being charged. And the woman was charged with trespassing and disrupting a service or funeral. Both misdemeanors. Since then... Whitehead has responded to the allegations, claiming the woman and others were sent to disturb the church. He also alleged that the woman threatened his wife and daughter and said he did what he had to do to keep them safe. Let me say this. Anybody that's still going to his church, something wrong with your mental state. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. People really still going to his church. Look at him. Did I put the link at the top? No, I did not. I need to put the link at the top. He decked out in his Christian Dior suit. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm telling you. And then they wonder why people are reluctant to go to church or believe in God. Or want to have anything to do with church. May believe in God but don't want to be in the church. Them tech church for puppy show. How are you going to be in there talking about. Amen, 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 amen. Let's give Jesus a round of applause. But you're going to shove the woman. The way you did. Check yourself. Yeah, I think, I think it's embarrassing. Because what they do. What they're allowed to do. They... In, in North America, in the Caribbean, is the same thing too. There's a thing called religious liberty that's there to protect religion. And there's a lot of loophole in it that allow like scammers and these people to come and, and feel protected. And to me, it's, it's almost like if you want to be like an untouchable scammer, 
just go and open a church and go under the umbrella of religious freedom. And it's almost like the state is afraid to touch you because of like the benefits of religious freedom. So that like even the case in Jamaica with that guy where they, they, they were very like timid in their approach of, of, that, of that guy because of religious freedom. And I know in America now, there's a thing where a lot of these um, churches, they're, they're, they're building like multi-million dollar like condominiums and, and properties. And they're, and they're going like tax-free using the church as a, as a, like a, a shelter to carry out their, their scamming. So yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. There's too much of them out there. And, and then people that go to worship get like a bad name because these ones that are out there are the loudest. So that like they come to the top like like cream to, to the top of like a, a coffee or whatever. And so they are the one that's seen and, and religion is judged based on their behavior. And it's, it's, it's just unfortunate. Oh boy. Thank you, James. Doctors in Ireland removed 55 AA and AAA batteries from woman's stomach. A woman reportedly attempting to harm herself had to have 55 AA and AAA batteries removed from her stomach and gut. The case published by the Irish Medical Journal this past Thursday is now regarded as the highest number of batteries ingested at a single point in time. The woman was treated at St. Vincent's University Hospital in Dublin. The doctors said in the report that the deliberate ingestion of multiple large AA batteries as a form of deliberate self-harm is an unusual presentation. The doctors added that typically batteries are ingested by children and can usually pass through the body without harm. However, if they get stuck in the throat, they can cause life-threatening damage. And this is according to a WION report. The potential of cylindrical batteries to result in acute surgical emergencies should not be underestimated, the case report states. After cutting a small hole in the stomach, doctors were able to remove the batteries. The case shows the batteries did not obstruct her gastrointestinal tract. Wow. 55 batteries. You sit down and you swallow that? With the hope that what? They explode in your stomach? What should, what should happen when you swallow them? That would lead to your death. I don't know. She has one of those weird um, disorders. Like people that eat paper and people that eat dirt. Obviously, she has one of those disorders. Mm, interesting. Interesting, Jeff. Well, I'm glad they were able to get it out. Hope she doesn't go and repeat the behavior. Go swallowing batteries Un again. Unfortunately, they normally do until they get real help. Wow. So she needs mental therapy. Okay. <laughs> I don't know who this story applies to, but the Gambia Tourism Board is tired of middle-aged UK women visiting for sexual pleasures from African toy boys. All right, then. Ah, they're marketing real good down there. The Gambia community is tired of older European women coming to the nation for 
satisfaction of their sexual pleasures. According to Travel Nor, the African nation became a top destination among UK middle-aged women seeking sexual pleasure from African toy boys. Evidently, it has been a thing since the 1990s after international travel agencies from the UK launched cheap package tours to the tiny West African country. Three decades decades later, thousands of middle-aged women have visited with sex tourism intentions, causing the Gambia government to speak out on the issue. The country, a former British colony, is currently working to attract quality visitors and to reverse its reputation as a sex tourism destination. What we want is quality tourists. Tourists that come to enjoy the country and the culture, but not tourists that come just for sex, said Abubakar Kamara, the director of the Gambia Tourism Board, when speaking with The Sun UK. The country has a population of 2.5 million and grapples with high unemployment rates and low wages. So it's not hard to see why a relationship with a wealthy older Western woman is seen as a financial opportunity for young Gambian men. The phenomenon has picked up a name for itself. It's called bumpsters. The term is used to describe describe impoverished young Gambian men who seek out Western women with whom they can develop a relationship typically arranged online. While some use the beaches to locate older women who visit from Holland, Sweden, and Germany, the Sun previously reported that the Senegambia Strip situated near the capital city Banjul has become a hot spot for British pensioners. The Gambia government has chosen to focus its attention on Gambia's wildlife and cultural attractions. The destination has over 300 species of tropical birds and two UNESCO World Heritage Sites that could boost its quality tourism. Over the summer, the Gambia's tourist officials traveled to the United Kingdom to meet with British Airways and tour operators to discuss increasing flights between London and Banjul to attract younger and wealthier tourists who would like a higher class winter holiday. Tourism is currently the fastest growing sector in the country's economy and makes up about nearly 20% of the GDP. So, Gambia. Let me ask you a question to the government of Gambia. Let me, let me ask you a question. If you strip these toys, these young men, of their opportunity to earn an income, what are you going to replace it with? And you can only look at so much of nature. And aren't they a part of nature too? They're not. Enjoying nature? I don't know. Are these young men wrong? Because it goes both ways. You're blaming the European women, but I think you got to also blame them. They are fulfilling a demand. It happens in Jamaica. Let us not let go folio. It's been going, what I'm used to call rent a dread, that's a going long time. And when Rasta talk about them, no bow, I lie to my tell. That is what was said. Not me saying it. I'm just echoing what has been said. Because a lot of American women boast about 
how the men in Jamaica know how to do their thing. Yeah, the Jamaican women are saying, but them not do it, can we? Yeah, moment. So what's interesting, <laughs> um, if you follow Jamaica tourism history, like before all-inclusive package, like women used to travel to Jamaica for a different type of package. You know, the, yeah, the, we rent, know. the rent a dread. Yeah. And yeah, so I think I think they can do it because that's that's how Jamaica tourism um kicked off. Like people travel, women travel there for the rent a dread, and then you know, same thing like what's going on there now. There's like an increase in travel. And then investors saw <clears throat> sorry, saw the opportunity to to start investing and building um more properties and then it it, it evolve from from like sex tourism to like all inclusive because rasta um renta dread was was there before all inclusive all especially inclusive in like, the grill yeah all inclusive but, is, is is less than 40 years old so. hold hold that thought hold hold that thought let me do my wrap up on air and i'll be right back bear with me one moment Thank you to all the listeners who logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com and JanoRadio.com. And of course, thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse, where the conversation happens. I am Moments With Me, and you were listening to Coffee and Toe, World News on the Go, every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern. This is where I read the news and we share our views. It's always great conversation, shared views, varying opinions, and interesting perspectives. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Me Media Moments, on Instagram, Moments underscore with underscore me underscore media, and on TikTok, Moments with Me Media. And the me in everything is MI. Remember, coming up later on today, 7 p.m. Eastern, check out The Rose Solo Show, live on QMZRadio.com, JohnOranger.com, ViscosityBlend.com, FutureFM.net, and if you're up there in the Bronx, Mount Vernon, and Westchester, tune in to FutureFM 98.9. Whatever you do, wherever you go, I do ask you, do this one thing for me. Please be safe. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, right here on Coffee and Till. Have a wonderful day. Take care. This is Moments with me signing out. Clubhouse, I'll be right back with you.